Amen. You can be seated. Just one quick thing I want to remind you of. Um, Heart for the House, December 8th, and any of you who've gone through next steps or anything like that, you know that my hassle-free guarantee to you at this church has been that I will not make a big deal over offerings. We'll take one um, above, and be off, uh, above and beyond offering each year that we call Heart for the House, um, and you'll see the things that um, we want to do with that up there. So please mark your calendar, and all I'm asking you to do is in your prayer time, ask God what he wants you to do. Um, and be obedient to that. And I believe that if we unify around this and we all ask God the same thing, that he is faithful to do what we can't do um, if we'll do what we can. Can we say amen? So I want you to remember that. Mark your calendar, December 8th. Um, we'll be doing that. How many of you really received the word of God this morning? Man, I'm so excited. We actually have uh, one of my pastors here today, one of my overseers here, and I uh, believe that this man is a general and a gift to the body of Christ, over 22 years of pastoring um, and ministry experience, and he's going to share something that I believe is going to be an impartation uh, to our lives today. Um, I want you to say this with me. Say, I'm ready to receive. Um, and, and so at this time, I want you to just give the biggest round of applause and God bless you as Pastor Gwen Singleton comes to bring us the word of God this morning. Oh, y'all can do better than that. Praise God. 20 years ago, I might have just leapt up from, from my seat right there, but thank God for stairs. Amen? Amen? Praise God. You know, I'm so impressed with that heart for the city. Uh, we were sharing with some of the uh, department heads uh, this morning before we came up here and um, talking about how we were members of a church, uh, just like you, foundational members starting a church before we ended up after Bible school, going back there to pastor it. But what I'm getting at is the goal that you have and the heart that you have to reach out to others when I remember what it was like just being glad to have every dollar we could to take care of our local needs right there. But, you know, you're starting out on a good foundation. You're looking beyond where you're at and what you're doing within the house, and you're looking outside of the house. You're looking at, at helping other people planting other churches, investing into other people. God will bless that. That's a seed, planting your seed of finance, planting your seed of, of time and talent and treasure. God will honor that. Praise God. I'm so glad to be here. I was stirred and inspired by the praise and worship this morning, being reminded of Jesus being the way maker. Amen. You know, this is all free and extra. I haven't even... <laughs> I haven't even started on my two hours yet, but uh, no, I, I know the. Um, but, you know, in Acts, I believe it's 224, where Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost, full of the Holy Spirit, there's part of a verse that always sticks with me, says that death was not able to hold Jesus down. And when I began to read more of the Bible and found in Romans 8 where it says, if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, it will make alive your mortal body. Amen. That let me know that anything that has to do with death, whether it's physically, financially, in your marriage, in your home, that it is not able to hold you down because you've got the same overcoming spirit in you that Jesus had when he rose from the grave. Amen. Ephesians 2 said, he seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. Amen? Amen. Praise God. 
You know, it's been a couple of months ago, um, Pastor Shannon talked to me about coming, and I said, okay, the holidays are coming, we'll look past the first of the year, and he said, uh, can you come sooner, you know? So I began to uh, just go over in my mind at first, what, what will I minister? You know, I could, uh, you know, after so many years, could minister on, you know, finance or prosperity or healing or faith or whatever, and, and I kept... Uh, going through those things, and uh, I believe I've settled on what the Lord wants me to talk about this morning. You know, when I was talking with the, uh, and Karen and I, by the way, my wife Karen, amen, as of this past March, a couple of months ago, uh, we've been married 50, that's five zero years. As of last month, we've been saved and serving the Lord for 48 of those years. Praise God. Amen. So it is possible to have longevity in your marriage and in your walk with Christ. Praise God. Amen. So just talking about different things with, with the, the team leaders, and I was thinking of, uh, this is not part of the message, but in uh, the last part of Luke 18, verse 8, Jesus said, when the Son of Man, that was his favorite description of himself, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And I was studying that once, and you know there are other translations that are able to take that same word, and it translates, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faithfulness, faithfulness on the earth? And that's kind of what I want to talk about today, remaining faithful to the vision you know, Paul said, I was not disobedient to that heavenly vision. Praise God. You know, I can't tell, you know, who's part of this church, who may be a first or second time guest here today, but I want you to know that uh, stick to itiveness is one of the gifts of the Spirit that isn't listed in, in the Bible. You know, I used to tell my congregation, I have the 10th gift of stubbornness. You know, when I know God has called me to do something, I'm not moving off of it no matter what. And, and uh, I believe as you come here, you get that same impartation from your pastors. Praise God. Uh, sorry, I can't see uh, Pastor Jessica today. She calls me Professor Notebook. But, you know, I've tried these new things. You know, you've seen, and I think you've used the, the TVs, and I try that, and I end up getting like a, uh, Leave it to Beaver reruns or something on it. So I just, I just stick with paper. Praise God. <laughs> I want to start with 1 Timothy. Chapter 3. This is from the New Living Translation. And, and the neat thing about this, if I don't move too far, I, I can see this to my notes here. <laughs> he said, I'm writing. Paul is writing to Timothy, a young pastor. Timothy was the pastor of the church at Ephesus, uh, which Paul established on one of his three missionary journeys, and he installed Timothy as a pastor. And he's writing these words to him. He said, I'm writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. Now, this is just a side note. I'm not going to minister on this this morning, but those words always stuck out to me. In fact, on my notes, I underlined them, how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. You know, there's, there's a way we need to be acting, church. You know, we need to be acting like the word is true. We need to be acting like, you know, the, the two things Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, that should be who we are. There's a conduct we must have in the church. 
I'll take a side journey here too. When I was pastoring, you know, people seem to click with certain people in the church and kind of hold them out. And I used to talk to some of my leaders, say, you know, you got to spread out. You got to get around. You know, really tired of seeing three or four of you just in your little little group. And one day I went by and I said, got a spiritual hand grenade here and just threw, threw it in the midst of them. You know, they got the message. So my point is there's a conduct in church. We need to all be inclusive. Amen. We need to be all act like we're the household of God. Amen. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of truth. I want you to keep that in your mind, the pillar and foundation. These are things that you build upon. These are things that support your life. Uh, I did a, a series one time from Psalms about uh, the seven pillars. And uh, pillars are things you can build your life on and a, and a strong foundation. But look what Psalm 11.3 says. This is in the King James Version. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? I want to see this in the Amplified, too. If the foundations of a godly society are destroyed, what can the righteous do? You know, I believe firmly in this day and age we're living in before Jesus comes back that the local church should be the foundation of the family, should be the foundation of the community. Amen? But aren't we seeing an attack on the church? An attack to destroy the foundation and the pillar of our families and of our communities. I don't know how many of you are familiar with Brother Kenneth Hagin, but one time uh, I remember him saying, and, and it just stuck in my mind all these years, that in the last days God was going to raise up strong local churches. And I believe Life City Church is one of those that God has called and ordained. Amen. Therefore, the devil's going to do everything he can to destroy this foundation and pillar here. But it's not going to work. Amen? Amen. We're not ignorant of his devices. Amen? Amen? Praise God. You know, I don't want to get on a hobby horse and talk about this, but it's obvious that America's moral values are eroding. Amen? And it's because of the attack on the local church. You know, I believe that part of this decline is due to I'm just going to be honest with you this morning. Due to a declining interest in Christians to come and be part of a good local church. Amen. Jacksonville is a big area, and I guarantee you there are a lot of good local churches in this area. And, and again, this is one of them. And God has called you, and he's calling other people in to help build this foundation and to, to be pillars in your community, in your society. You know, 1 Timothy, we just read, it tells us that the church is the pillar and the foundation. But Psalm 11 is a warning that there is an attack on this, destroying the foundations of this society. But it's not just attacking secular society. We as the church many times are allowing things that are going on around us in America and in the world to begin to, to eat away at what we say we believe. You know, Daniel wrote that those who do know their God shall do exploits. In the New Testament, the word know means an intimate knowledge, not just, oh, I know who God is. Yeah, Jesus, I heard of him. It's that daily communion with him in prayer and in the word where you get to know him, get to know his heart to where we get to the point where we're not coming with our little list and going, okay, here's what I need today, God. But we go to him and go, Lord Jesus, here am I, like Isaiah chapter 6. 
Here am I, send me. Hallelujah. And this is the kind of knowledge we need to have of him. And so Christians are finding their finances, their family, even their health in disarray because they're letting the things of the world begin to eat away at what they truly believe. Amen? So Christians are going around kind of what I call a fog of confusion because they're letting every, every news cycle dictate their feelings. You know, we need to not be, uh, what shall I call it? We need not to be thermometer Christians that just reflect the temperature that's going on in the nation. We need to be thermostat Christians who set the temperature in the nation. Amen. And you can do that in your local area here. It says in Psalm 92, and this is from the NIV, planted in the house of the Lord, they, the they is those who are planted. Those who are planted in the house of house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. Amen. I'm enjoying these scriptures more and more. I stand with King David. I was young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed, his family begging for bread. Praise God. And those of you who may be of the older persuasion, you might want to get into Psalm 103 verses 3 through 5 in the Amplified. That'll really bless you too. Praise God. You know, I'm going to be like uh, Caleb when they went into the land of promise. He said, he was 85. He said, I'm still well able to take this mountain. Praise God. And that's the attitude we need to have because we don't know when Jesus is coming back. You know, we're, we're preparing like he's coming back today, but we're working like uh, that the church is going to outlive our lifetime. Amen. It says, they will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green proclaiming, see, as we're established in the house of God, as we're established on the rock of his word, we'll still be proclaiming no matter what the situation, whatever our age, the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. In other words, our confession will remain the same no matter what the situation looks like. If what? If we're rooted and grounded in the word of God and established in his house. Amen. You know, I've seen over a number of years, both as a uh, congregation member and as a pastor, that a lot of people are pulling away from the church, the local church. They're not pulling away from Jesus necessarily, but they're not walking in the fullness of his plan because God's plan is the local church. Jesus said in Matthew 9, beginning in about verse 35, that he saw the people who were you know, I'm going to paraphrase. They were confused. They were in disarray because they were like sheep having no shepherd. Shepherd, we know, is pastor. Amen? And there are a lot of people who are confused and in disarray because they're drawing away from the local church and not sitting under a shepherd. Praise God. Amen. So never forget, Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, that upon this rock... Now, I know you've probably heard this. Pastors probably taught it. The rock is the revelation of who Jesus is. Upon this rock, if you know who Jesus is, if you know his plan, if you know his will, upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I think too often, Christians, that we're thinking about hell being this great, mighty, moving force, and we've we got our back up against the door trying to keep hell from coming in. But if you read that in the proper perspective from the original, 
It means that we are the mighty moving force. And it's all the demons in hell trying to throw their backs against the doors of the strongholds they've built up in people's lives and trying to keep us from coming in. But we are a mighty moving force, praise God, that cannot be stopped. It'll start with you and, and affect your family, then affect your workplace and your community. The gates of hell can't prevail against us. Jesus, um, actually Paul wrote this in Ephesians 5, says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That tells me if Jesus loves the church and I love Jesus, I should love the church. Amen? I mean, we should love the church universal, but I'm talking about in a community, the establishment of a, of a good foundation, a church like this and many others in your area. Aren't you thankful there are other churches in your area preaching the full gospel of Jesus Christ? Praise God. But amen, I don't know if there'll ever be enough. We have such a great work to do, and I believe so little time. Praise God. Now, if you think back to what I said in Psalm 92, it says planted in the house of God. From the original, the word planted means to establish, being established. That means you've got roots down. Amen? You're established. You know, it makes me think of, of the psalm about, uh, I believe it's Psalm 23, about being planted by rivers of living water and, and how you're nourished from that. Being planted, amen, uh, just adds to your ability to grow in the things of God. It also says they will flourish. The word flourish means to bloom or to, or to break free. Or actually, one, one thing means to fly. Now, what I'm saying is not to fly out of this church or break free from this church, but when you're established and you're, you're rooted in a local church and you're being nourished there, that you begin to break free from habits. You begin to break free from what my uncle, who was a pastor, I got saved under, he used to call stinking thinking. You break away from those kind of things. Your words begin, begin to become uh, rivers of life instead of bitter waters. Amen? And your actions begin not only to affect you, but... Uh, affect positively other people. This is what happens when you become established and you begin to flourish. Had a wonderful time of praise and worship this morning, and a local church should be a place of worship to God. It should also be a place of service for God. Amen? Yes. Remember Brother Hagin, he'd say something like that, then he'd go, well, now I've gone to meddling. <laughs> I don't mean to meddle, but I want to uh, bless you and encourage you today. You know, a lot of people, we've been around long enough, a lot of people in the body of Christ talk about wanting a, a move of God. And we've been in moves of God. I'm sure some of you have too. And a lot of times, mostly it's just a refreshing time for you, which is good. We all need, you know, times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. But then as time went on, it had no lasting fruit. We've been saved, as I said, 48 years. Got saved in the fire of Pentecost. My uncle was a Pentecostal preacher. Praise God. Amen. And we grew up under that. It wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be surprising in the middle of a service. I'm not suggesting this. Let's see someone on the front row or somewhere just take off running because they're happy. And that's okay. I remember my uncle used to say, I don't care how high you jump as long as you walk straight when you land. Amen. <laughs> So I'm talking about having an experience with God, you know, that, that results in lasting fruit, not just feeling good for a little while, you know. And, and um, 
A lot of people in the body of Christ, we've seen them waiting for the Holy Spirit to, to move them to do something. And here's what I've found out from personal experience myself, that the Word of God is His will. And if we're not moved by what the Word of God tells us, the Holy Spirit isn't going to move us to do something um, you know, that we think we should be doing. If we don't do what's at hand, we won't get to do what's in our heart. Praise God. Isaiah 33, verse 6. And wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times and strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Wisdom and knowledge. We're talking about a local church building you up on, on a strong foundation. Wisdom and knowledge. You know, knowledge is what the word says. Wisdom is how do I apply it? Amen? So we're not just here at a local church to obtain knowledge. We're here to have wisdom. How do I use it? Jesus said the Lord, that his Father showed him what to say and how to say it. Praise God. And that's what wisdom is all about. So living this time of instability in the world and in our nation, the Word of God brings stability. And the Word of God is taught in the house of God. Yes, you should be studying on your own, but there's something about sitting under a pastor. I was sharing with Pastor Shannon when we first began to pastor. I was fortunate to get hooked up with someone who had been doing it many years before me, and I would, Karen and I would spend time with him. And there were so many times we would go and have questions. Sometimes we'd even write them down. And just as he was talking, before we even got to ask anything, we'd look at each other and go, that's it. You know, that's what you get from a pastor, praise God. You get fed because God speaks to his heart about what you need in your life. Yeah, I'm here, you know, Paul said I magnify my office. Yeah, I'm magnifying the office of pastor today, but it's so important. Referring again to one of my spiritual fathers, Brother Hagen, he said of the fivefold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, he said, in my experience, and that was over 50-some years at that time, the pastor is the hardest job. He has to stay with the sheep. He has to minister to the sheep through the hard, heartbreaking losses and through the confusion of things. Others can come and go. We used to have a joke, and I have friends who are evangelists, who say evangelists can blow in, blow up, and blow out. <laughs> but the pastor is there taking care of the sheep. Amen. Not a hireling. Praise God. You know, I was just compiling some, some thoughts I had you know, in local churches, we need substance, the Word of God. The Word must be taught. One definition of substance is a solid or meaningful quality. Solid or meaningful quality. We need substance. What does that mean? We need more sound doctrine and less hype. You can watch TV or even podcasts, and there are some good ones, don't get me wrong, but they just hype you up, but they don't leave any substance in your life. We need more truth and less cute phrases. We don't need bumper, st bumper sticker Christianity, amen? We need more truth. We need more meat and less dessert. I know Thanksgiving's coming. I'm just talking spiritually here. We need more training and less stimulating. What do I mean? You know, 22 years of pastoring, I look back and things I wish I'd done differently. And I spent a lot of time just trying to be a cheerleader to people who were supposed to be my leaders. <laughs> but I wasn't 
imparting into them. I wasn't giving them an expectation. And so they had nothing to live up to. Well, that was all free and extra, but I've learned, <laughs> praise God. What I'm saying in essence is that we churches, local churches, can't preach a message that just brings people in but does not empower them to do the work of the ministry. And I thank God for churches like Life City Church, here to empower you. You know, Paul likens uh, our walk as Christians to uh, a soldier, you know, that we don't do the things we want to do. We do the things that bless the master. Praise God. We, we uh, you know, what's the old saying? If we're easy on ourselves, life is hard on us. But if we're hard on ourselves, what I mean is discipline ourselves. Be in church. Be in the word. Be in prayer. Be looking for opportunities to minister to other people. Even when we don't feel like it. If we're hard on ourselves, life's easy on us. Because we don't care what other people think we should be doing. Or we don't care that so-and-so next door has, has a new RV or something like that. We don't care about those things. We say, God bless them. Because we're more looking for what can we do to be of service to the Lord. Amen. Praise God. You know, just had a little thought. I'll skip over that. I was just thinking of things. I said, you know, it's okay to stir the pot, if you know what I mean. How many of you have been in what I call Holy Ghost services? Amen. I love those things. I'm not downing that at all. It's okay to what I call stir the pot. But stirring the pot doesn't add substance to it. Amen. It stirs up what you got inside of you. Praise God. So it's okay to do that. Amen. So looking for a move of God. I was thinking about, we got saved in 1971. There's different titles to that movement. You know, for us as 21-year-old, I should show Pastor Shannon my picture later with this long hair and this Fu Manchu mustache. <laughs> and we were saved in what we call the Jesus People Movement. Amen. Most of you, if not all of you, are not old enough to remember that. People were coming in. They also called it the Charismatic Renewal um, Denominational churches were getting filled with the Spirit, uh, speaking in tongues, um, uh, miracles happening, and so forth. But what we saw in the midst of that, and even looking back, is it was a soul-winning revival. It wasn't just, woo, we're all happy, you know, we're, we're dancing and shouting. People were coming into the kingdom of God by hundreds and thousands, amen. And there is a move, of, I tell you, I'm not just up here to hype you. There is a move of God beginning. I see it in young people right now, which excites me. I see it in young people. I see it in young adults beginning to happen. And boy, don't we need it there. But I tell you, they need those of us who are mature in the things of God to, to help them to grow, to bring stability and to help them to, to grow. I'm so thankful when we got saved. My uncle, who was the pastor, he had the, had the wisdom to, you know, let us grow, you know, make mistakes, but then instruct us. He never squelched us. We're not here to squelch people, amen. We're here to help them grow. And we're, we're to be like, read this in the book of Acts. Uh, Aquila and Priscilla came across the mighty preacher Apollos and listened to him and said after that, then they showed him a more excellent way or they showed him even a better way to minister, praise God. And so that's what we're called to do, those of us who are mature in the things of God. So you'll know a real move of God when you begin to see people coming into arcs of safety like this, the local church, praise God. 
I don't know how many of you work in an area of the church. I know there are some who can't be in here this morning because they're working. But if you work in an area of the church, I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about this. How do you view your job? How do you view what you're doing? Do you look at, I don't know if you get a schedule. I know we're scheduled like as ultra care workers and other things. And we look and see which Sundays we're scheduled. Do you look at it and go, oh no, I got to work that Sunday. Or is it an opportunity for service? Is it an opportunity to, to uh, make a way for somebody else to be in a service? Is it a, an opportunity to teach and train children? A story I've never forgotten. There's an architect in the 1800s by the name of Sir Christopher Wren. And he was in London, England. And, and we kind of have an affinity for London. We've been there. I've been three. You've been four, I know. <laughs> I have a cousin I'm very close to, pastored in London, England uh, for 20 years. And so it was a real blessing to get to go there. And we got to go to St. Paul's Cathedral, which is one of the uh, um, buildings that Sir Christopher Wren planned. And the story is told that one day he went to see how construction was going. And as he walked around to the back side of the building, there was a man on his knees with a big tub and what looked like an oar stirring something turned out to be cement. And Christopher Wren came up and said, excuse me, what are you doing? The man raised up, dusted himself off, squared his shoulders, and looked him in the eye and said, sir, I'm building a cathedral. All he was doing was mixing the cement. But he felt like his part was so important that he was building the cathedral just as much as Christopher Wren was planning the cathedral. He was as important a part as those who came in and did all the artistic touches. How do you view what you're doing? You may feel like you're mixing cement, but you're building a church. And God honors that. Praise God. Amen. So when it comes to getting things done, I wish this was original with me. We need fewer architects and more bricklayers. Amen. It says in First Peter, that we are living stones built up into a spiritual house. And that's what we're doing. We're building a cathedral of people for the glory of God. Amen. So the church is being built, and I hope you understand this phrase, it's being built by the efforts of everyday people, like you and me, doing our part, filling our place. You know, I've had the privilege of following different people, reading after different people, but some of the things that touch me the most are those of, of not just those out on the forefront, God bless them, but those who are just in the background doing what God has called them to do. Karen has some friends, some girls from high school a number of years ago who are still her close friends, and two of them live in Florida now. One has a daughter who's in the nation of Kosovo, which if I got a map, I think it's Eastern Europe. She's there with a secular job, teaching English as a second language. She wrote something on Facebook a few months ago, and I contacted her. I said, can I use this? I don't know when or where, but this is good. She talks about what she teaches. When she uses the word course, C-O-U-R-S-E, English course is what she's talking about here. This is just a typical day in her life. She said, today was a bit of a whirlwind, up early to work out, cleaned mold from the ceiling in the bathroom, a weekly chore and normal here, taught in the morning, 
back to the apartment to meet my pastor, who graciously offered to help me with the gas tank for my oven. Uh, it had run out of gas. It's kind of like a gas grill here in America. She said, I live on the fifth floor without an elevator. <laughs> it's too heavy for me to carry. Then I ate lunch, ran to the grocery store. I want you to think about your daily schedule as I read this. Taught three classes, one of which included a wonderful conversation with a difficult student. She came early. I'm hoping that this changes uh, her interaction during class. Went home, realized I left the groceries at the English course, came home again, created three review activities, a craft for the children on Sunday, made six dozen cookies, and prepped the spelling list for the spelling bee. Now, I want you to get this part. I wanted you to think about your daily and weekly routine. None of that seems very spiritual. But people won't come to the English course unless it's done well. Now, I want to insert the word church here. But people won't come to church unless it's done well. They have other options. If relationships aren't built, then I don't get to talk about Jesus. Think about that. If relationships aren't built, then I don't get to talk about Jesus. I hope all I do is with that in mind. Thank you, Lord. She said, I want to talk about Jesus, about my faith. And I did a little of that with my women's class. They asked if we do something equivalent to Ramadan. She finishes by saying, looking for every opportunity. Pray, I don't miss them. Isn't that awesome? I want you to hear this from what Paul says, almost the same thing in different words in 1 Corinthians 9. Even though I'm a free man with no master, I've become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under the law, even though I'm not subject to the law. I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I'm with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so that I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ, which as I said earlier, love the Lord with all your heart, love your neighbors as yourself. When I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. That's the importance of the local church, building people like that. Someone brought up in America, living in a totally foreign area to all of us and to her as well, but looking for those opportunities to share Christ. She has a pastor. She has a local church. She's kept strong. I want to encourage you to stay rooted and grounded in the local church. I believe, not only now, but in this coming year, this coming year is going to be, I don't want to preempt anything God might put on your heart, but there's going to be a lot of 2020 messages coming forth. 
Second Chronicles 20, 20, I believe. <laughs> Have you talked about that? <laughs> that if you will believe the Lord your God and, and believe his prophets, you'll prosper. I'm just paraphrasing that. You used to be able to quote it word for word, but I'm paraphrasing. So you're going to hear a lot about that. Praise God. But I believe God is going to speak to the hearts of believers to show you how to organize your life better. Amen. So you'll be more productive for the kingdom. So your life will be less stressful and more peaceful. Amen. A lot of people, Holy Ghost people, they just, I just go, you know, I just, every morning I just be led. It's good to be led, but you know, Jesus, when he fed the 5,000, seated them in groups of 50s. There was organization. There was a reasoning. Organization is just putting things together with a plan. As you're coming into this next year, spend time with God. Spend time listening to your pastor. Put your life together with a plan. You know, God won't show you something to do without, number one, telling you how to do it. I believe God is speaking to people's hearts in here about maybe certain things he wants you to put your hand to here. But you're thinking, I'm not qualified. Let me tell you something. When I quit my job, quit a great job, it wasn't, I'm unemployed, let's see, I think I'll go to Bible school. Had a great job, six weeks paid vacation. You know, I, I mean, I, I had it going. <laughs> but I felt led, and I followed the leading to go to Bible school. And my argument in my mind, and I even spoke it to Karen, I was going to be 43. I, that'd be good to be again, but I was going to be 43 when I graduated. And I'd be going, who's going to hire a rookie 43-year-old pastor? I think God's, God sat back and laughed at me because he already knew what was ahead, even though I didn't. Amen. And so you may be feeling something in your heart, something to do. And you're going, I don't know how I'm going to do that. God will never call you to do something without, number one, telling you how to do it. Secondly, he'll tell you when to do it. You know, maybe it's not for right now. Maybe you need to sit under pastor a little longer and then step into those things that God has showed you. And he won't show you something to do without equipping you to do it. And that's the importance of the fivefold ministry uh, talked about in Ephesians 4. Praise God. So, getting closer to the end, you know, Brother Hagin used to say, I'm fixing to close. He said, fixing means commencing to start to begin to finish. You know, so, so I'm, I'm fixing to close in just a few minutes here. But I have a couple of more things I want to share. I want to ask you this question. If Jesus tarries his coming and you or I pass from the earth before his coming, what do you want people to remember about you? I don't want you to get in a morbid thing thinking about passing, but I want you to think, what's your legacy? Here's what Paul said in Acts 20, verses 22 to 24. And now you see I'm going to Jerusalem, bound by the Holy Spirit and obligated and compelled by convictions of my own spirit, not knowing what will befall me there, except that the Holy Spirit clearly and emphatically affirms to me in city after city that imprisonment and suffering await me. What a calling. <laughs> Lord, I want to I preach the gospel. I want to be involved with the gospel. Well, we're not going to probably be called this, to do this like Paul was, you know, one of the uh, early apostles, not one of the apostles of the Lamb. Pastor can teach you about that, but one of the, one of the early apostles. But here's what he said. 
First, he said he's bound by the Spirit. I like this. I'm bound by the Spirit. He was wrapped around the Spirit. The Spirit was in him. He was able to say, but none of these things move me. Neither do I esteem my life dear to myself. If only I may finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have obtained, which was entrusted to me by the Lord Jesus, faithfully to attest to the good news, the gospel of God's grace, his unmerited favor, spiritual blessing, and mercy. What do you want people to remember about you? This is one of the things I remember about Paul. Excuse me. Regardless of what he was going to face, it did not move him. It did not move him. Oh, there's directions I could go, but I'm not going to do that right now. There are things that have happened in our lives, and I'm sure your lives, that the devil has wanted to move you off of your confession of faith in the Lord. It's wanted to cause you to draw back from putting your hand to something. The Lord says, whatever you put your hand to will prosper. The devil wants you to draw back. I want to share one other brief story from some friends of ours. I mean, we know that we had the minister in our church once. They graduated from our Bible school, the one we went to, several years before us. And they have been in the jungles of Panama for over 40 years now. That's four zero years They've been ministering to a tribe of people there and have managed to build a, um, a ministry network in that nation and especially throughout the jungle. And uh, there are some good things on Facebook. I got this from our friend Jeannie, Jeannie Cook, who with her husband have been there for 40 years. And she wrote this and it touched my heart and I asked for permission to use this. She said, today as I sit on my front porch in the jungle... Having my morning coffee, the birds are singing, and all of the jungle life seems to be busy feeding their young. I feel so grateful for all of the blessings God has given to me, a life rich in his love and his heart. Doing God's will in your life brings such fulfillment. Though we are older and have wound down a little, I still love to spend time on a personal basis with the people here, helping them find their way in life. That's what we're called to do. Help people find the way. Some of them go back to our fourth generation when we, were, when we first shared the gospel with their great-grandma. What an honor and privilege it is to be the link to helping people find God. That's what I would like to be remembered for. To be one who is a link to help people find God. Nothing great and mighty, just to be a link to help people find God. I love the people he has sent to us. It has given my life such purpose and happiness. Praise God. I know I need to be closing here. I need, can I, okay. I, I was once taught that the, the mind can only absorb what the seat can endure, so I'm trying to, in Luke, I'm going to try to read through this quickly. He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is dishonest and unjust in a very little thing is dishonest and unjust also in much. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in the case of unrighteous mammon, and here the Amplified calls that deceitful riches, money, and possessions, 
Who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not, I underline this word, if you have not proved faithful in that which belongs to another, whether God or man, who will give you that which is your own, that is the true riches? No servant is able to serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will stand by and be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And here it calls it riches or anything in which you trust and rely on. Anything. So quickly, I want to close with this. Do you want to see your church prosper? Do you, want, do you want to personally prosper and grow in the next year? And do you want to finish your course with joy? Like Paul said, let me go over those three things with you quickly. Three things that God will hold us accountable for then. In verse 10, small things. Like what? Obedience, following. You know, I've learned as a pastor and as a congregation member, I'd much rather follow than lead. You know, James 3 says that there's more judgment, there's more, you know, uh, strict, strictness on those who, who lead than those who follow. Following's good. Small things, do things to help and not just to be seen. I'll make this brief. The night we got saved, we didn't want to go to church. We were 21, had a two-month-old baby. Friends who had gotten saved just kept bugging us. <laughs> we had a Sunday night service at the church my uncle pastored, and we said, okay, Karen, we're going to go tonight, sit on the back row. When Chris starts crying, we're out of there. <laughs> Going in the door, we were met by a lady who was over the nursery and said, here, I'll take your son. We said, oh, no, no, it's okay. We'll she said, I've raised six children. I'll do fine with him. And so that night, we heard the message and received Jesus. Amen. She was just doing a small thing. Be faithful in natural things. Like what? Being on time. Fulfilling obligations. I won't go too deep here. Our appearance. I'll make this brief. We had a, a banker, a bank president, come into our pastor class. Got introduced, came up. He had a long overcoat on. And after we'd stopped applauding, he opened up. He had knee-high white socks, wild shorts, and a crazy T-shirt. And we all busted out laughing. When we stopped, he looked at us and said, you laugh, but that's how most of you look when you come to my bank asking to borrow money. <laughs> Be faithful in the natural things. Okay, I'll meddle. He went farther and said, sometimes if I'm riding the loan, not always, but I'll follow people out to their car not to see if it's a new car, you know, what they drive, nothing like that. I look to see if there's three weeks' worth of McDonald's wrappers on the floor because I know however they treat their stuff, they're going to treat my stuff. Moving right along, natural things. And the third thing to be faithful in, it said, is things not your own. Doing things that don't only bless and satisfy you, but things that build up your local church, things that bless other people, you know, it can be ingrained in us. Many of you know the name Rick Warren. I read this story that when his father was on his deathbed, before he passed, Rick Warren said he raised up and he said, I must win one more to Christ. It was in him. Acts 13, 36. 
For David, after he had served God's will and purpose and counsel in his own generation, fell asleep in death. I'm not responsible for David's generation. I'm not responsible for the 1800s, if you know what I mean, as far as spreading the gospel. But I'm responsible in my generation. We're responsible in our generation. And I, my hope and prayer as we prepare to close today is that if Jesus doesn't come in our lifetime, that when we go home to be with the Lord, that we can say, I faithfully served God's will in my generation. And if you do that, here's my word for Life City Church for next year and the coming years. Isaiah 54, 2, enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitation be stretched out. Spare not. In other words, don't hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. I want to encourage you, if you'll do some of these things today, prepare for personal growth. Com prepare for your local church to grow. And because of that, prepare for the kingdom of God to grow. And I'll close with this last thing that I started with. When the Son of Man returns, regarding yourself and myself, Will he find faithfulness on the earth? Let's bow our heads. Father, you know that long ago I said I treat each service like communion. Like Paul said, I've delivered that which you've delivered unto me. And so I pray, Lord, that just something would take root in the hearts of these wonderful people today. God, you have such a great plan for Life City Church. And it's built with the help of those bricklayers, Lord, who are just willing to be in the background and do what needs to be done, like that lady who took our baby that night so that we could hear the message and be saved. There are no big eyes and little U's in the body of Christ, but we all have a purpose, Lord, and help us to, to take that to heart and to fulfill those things. Hallelujah. Pastor, I, I'll let you take over from here, but I want, want to share one thing. Y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Now we're going to prepare to worship the Lord. I, I, I need to say this in case you didn't understand. I don't know if you know what you've received um, this morning, but we've been with a man who's been with God and certainly has heard from God and has delivered what I would say is a prophetic word to this house. Um, and if you, if you don't get it, then God will have to catch you up. But he brought something straight from heaven for us today, and we need to receive that today. Uh, we're not, uh, we're going to worship the Lord with this song, but I, I feel like the response, we're not going to pray for any of the things we usually pray for. Our response is we need to respond to the word that's been taught and preached today. So in your hearts, I'm not going to ask you to uh, raise your hand or anything, but you know that you need to to step over that line and be all in with God and all in with the house and all in with the vision that this is the Sunday that you just need to step over and say, God, I'm with it. I want you to worship with the team, with all of your heart, with this song as a response to what has been preached and taught today. Go on and stand to your feet um, at this time and just search your heart just for a minute and say, God, that, that's me. I need to 
go all in with you. I need to go all in with my serving. I need to go all in with my giving. I need to go all in with my surrender. If that's you, the invitation is there. Um, God is always inviting us to just come to the altar. So I'm asking you to give him the altar of your heart this morning as we worship. If you're here, you know that God has been speaking to you through the message, or you know that he's been moving in your heart. All I want you to do quickly is just put your hand in the air. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for everyone who's responded through worship, who's acknowledged that you've dealt with them this message. And Lord, we, every week, we declare healing, we declare freedom, we declare deliverance in this house. But this day, I feel so stirred that what you want us to do today is to offer ourselves to you. No conditions, no bargains. But Lord, we surrender all to you. And in doing that, we know that you will take care of everything that is on our mind, everything that is on our heart, everything that weighs on your people today. Lord, they came in spite of what they were dealing with. Many pressed their way through struggles I know about and struggles I don't know about to be in this house today, to receive the prophetic word that we've received today. And now I pray the equipping power of the Holy Spirit to walk out what you imparted through Pastor Gwen today. Lord, I pray that you would restore everything that he poured out back to him a hundredfold. I pray that you cover him and Karen in the name of Jesus as they continue to impart into ministries like our sharing wisdom, sharing understanding, but most of all, sharing what they've heard straight from you. And Lord, we declare by faith, no hype, that we receive what you've deposited in this house today. We receive that scripture in Isaiah 54 as our prophetic word for 2020. And Lord, we commit ourselves to you and to the grace of God to walk it out, believing we'll see miracles, signs, and wonders because we've surrendered to you. Now bless your people. Let them leave encouraged, stirred, to follow you with all they have. It's in Jesus' name. And let everyone that agree with that shout amen. amen. Shout amen. amen. Do something for me. Give a huge round of applause to Pastor Gwen today for this word. Now, now listen, we are almost done. Um, and I know some of y'all been calling me and texting me, Pastor, we, with the weather, we still going to have baptism? Yes. Yes, I'll get you in and out the water real fast so you don't, but I've got to do this. Um, we have at least four um, candidates today that will be baptized. So I'm going to ask if you have time to just, after you, you, know, you say your highs and your hugs and your high fives, do that quickly and then just go around right behind the stage. We'll talk inside so y'all can stay warm, and then we're going to baptize. Are y'all all right with that? Can we do that today? Amen. I'm so excited. So just take about... Meet, meet me behind that, where the kids is in, in five minutes. You got five minutes to, to fellowship. And then meet me back there, and we're going to go down in the water. Can we say amen? Amen. amen. Y'all have a great week, and God bless you. We'll see you in five.